Isn't that an awesome concept, the child of God? You know, I raised, we've raised four children, and we've got a couple of grandchildren now, and uh, what a blessing it is to have children. And uh, as I look at my children, I think about the way I love them and care for them and feel a sense of protection over them. And, And I realize God feels that way about me more even than I could possibly for my own children, which is hard to imagine. But God loves me in spite of myself. He provides for me. He protects me. He cares about me, and he cares about you in that same way. So to be a child of God, what a blessing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together today that we can, that we can be here in this place, that we can love on one another, we can encourage one another. Father, it wouldn't be the same if any one of the people here was not here today. So, Father, I thank you that you've called us all here, that we can worship you, that we can lift up songs of praise, that we can listen to you through your word. And, Father, that we can minister to one another as we carry out your mission, the mission of your church. And so, Father, I ask now that you would still our hearts, our minds, that you would give us peace and give us clarity of mind that we might listen to that still, small voice and hear what you have to say to us through your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, we're going to uh, continue to take a little break from uh, Philippians for, I don't know, a while. We'll see. We'll get back to it eventually. But, uh, you know, God uh, leads me, I believe, in what it is that He would have me share with you. You know, that's the whole point, is it's a message from God not a message from me. If I ever show up and tell you I have a message from me, then just pack up and go home because it won't be worth staying for. But each week, I believe that God ordains the message that He has for us, and uh, He's laid it upon my heart uh, last week, this week, to uh, take a bit of a detour and address some other topics, some other things. And so um, we're going to do that until the Lord sees fit to bring us back to Philippians. So But today, I want you to write down the message title, Being a Body Member. Being a Body Member. We're going to be starting out in 1 Corinthians. We may hop around a little bit, but we're going to start there in 1 Corinthians. This is about being a member of a church. And I say a church because it certainly applies here at Westside. It's about being a member of this church, but it's about being a member of any church. And so if you're visiting with us today, hopefully this will give you some insight about what it means to be a member of a church, whether it's here or or somewhere else. And I'm not so naive as to believe that as I look out across the folks that are here today to think that Everybody in this room is necessarily going to be here for the rest of their lives. You know, life happens and people have to get transferred and people move and and whatever. 
So some people may not be in this church forever. You may find yourself in another church. So the principles here are God's principles out of God's Word that transcend wherever you are. So I'm not giving you some sort of, of formula for Westside Baptist Church. It certainly applies here, but I want you to take these principles to heart and realize that these principles apply anywhere as you consider the prospect of being a member of a church. You know, I often look around the church and see people kind of hobbling around. You know, someone maybe has their arm in a sling and somebody's clunking around in an orthopedic boot. Someone with a walker, someone with a hand brace. And what that tells me is that something in their body is malfunctioning. Something is not working correctly. Now think of that word malfunctioning. Now we know other words like malware, right? It's a software that corrupts our good software. It's malware. Or malpractice, a doctor who's not doing their job correctly, not doing it well. And so when we speak of malfunctioning, it means that something in our body is malfunctioning. It's not working as it should. And we all know, when we've experienced that, that to have a malfunctioning member of our body affects everything, doesn't it? I mean, if you've got a malfunctioning leg then a lot of times that gets translated into your back, right? Because now you're trying to overcompensate, and now your back hurts because your leg's malfunctioning. And maybe your hand's malfunctioning, and you have to do things to compensate, and then before you know it, your neck and your shoulders are bothering you because now that's... So if you've got a malfunctioning member in your body, then everything else is affected, and so it is with the body of Christ. So it is within the church. If you have a malfunctioning member, the whole body, the whole church is affected. We see this best illustrated in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, is explaining to them this very principle. And far be it from me to try to do better than Paul did. And so I'm going to share with you what Paul had to say to the church of Corinth, to the members of the church there, as he tried to help them understand about what it is to be a member of a church body, how important it is for each part, for each member to function correctly. And so we pick up there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. Paul writes there and says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, and so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Well, that would not make any sense at all. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. Well, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye... 
where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, members of that body. I think Paul was very clear and I think it's a, an incredible illustration that we can all identify with that as we think about our bodies and about the various components, the ears, the eyes, the mouth, the toes, the nose. All of those things interrelate. They all work together to make us function correctly. And when something goes awry, something stops working or something doesn't work correctly, there are consequences to that. Well, let someone not understand the illustration here. I took the liberty of changing out the word body for the word church in part of this passage. And I think that this should make it as clear as possible. So I want to read again just a few verses, verses 14 through 20. And understand that I took some liberty. I substituted the word church for body, and I threw in a, a few other things just for it to make sense. But I, I believe that you will get the gist of it, if you will allow me that liberty. In verse 14 and following through 20, with this revision it says, For the church does not consist of one member. It's not about you. The church does not consist of one member but many. If John should say, because I am not a teacher, I do not belong to the church. Well, that would not make him any less a part of the church. And if Hannah should say, because I am not a deacon, I do not belong to the church. Well, that would not make her any less a part of the church. If the whole church was made up of worship leaders, <laughs> help us all. <clears throat> if the whole church was made up of worship leaders, who would do the preaching and the teaching and work with the children? If the whole church served in the children's area, who would operate the lights and the sound? But as it is, God arranged the members in the church each one of them as he chose. You get that? Let me read that again because I think that is so important. God arranged the members in the church. 
as He chose. He has assembled the church. He has brought certain people to the church to be a part of that church so that that church might function effectively. God arranged the members in the church, each one of them as He chose. Verse 19, if all were doing the same thing, where would the church be? As it is, there are many members, yet one church. I want to try to draw some distinction about being a body member. You may note in the title that I, I entitled today's message, Being a Body Member. Now, for obvious reasons, I could have just entitled it being a church member. But I want to draw a distinction between being a body member or just being a church member. Over the years, it has come to my attention, my realization, that some people view membership in the church as the same as membership in, say, a social club or the local gym. They're just kind of on the same par. They're on the same level. I'm, I'm a member of a social club. I'm a member of a country club. I'm a member of the local gym. I'm a member. Well, Tom Rayner, you've heard me reference him before. He was former president of Lifeway. He once wrote... For these people, for those who view church membership as just like membership of any other social club, he says for them membership is about receiving instead of giving, being served instead of serving, rights and privileges instead of responsibilities, entitlements instead of sacrifices. You see, we join these other clubs for our benefit, for what we get out of it, so that we can be served, so that we can have all the privileges and the benefits and the services due us because we pay our dues. We pay money to join these clubs. And then we're entitled to certain privileges, certain services, things that we can get out of it. And I think that is just totally antithetical. It's the opposite of what church membership is all about. Church membership is not about coming and getting. It's about coming and giving. It's not about coming and having others serve you. It's about you coming and serving others. Being a member of a church is more than just signing up and paying your dues. Be a member of a local church is to be actively engaged in the life and the ministry of the church. In some contexts, people have so lost the meaning of church membership. Putting your name on a piece of paper does not make you a church member. You know, historically, particularly in Protestant and Baptist churches, that's kind of the process, right? You join the church, and they have you fill out a little card, and it goes in a 
a file drawer somewhere in the back room of the office. And as far as some people are concerned, you are now and forevermore a member of that church because you wrote your name on a card. Is that a member? Is that a member? I mean, if I say that I am a member of the Braves baseball team, does that make me a member of the Braves baseball team? I never show up for practice. I never appear in any games. But if I go around telling everybody I'm a member of the Braves baseball team, you're all going to say, Pastor's gone mad. He's insane. He honestly thinks that he's a member of that team over there, and, and, and he's got nothing to do with it. He never goes there. He doesn't participate. He doesn't show up for practice. He doesn't participate in games. But yet he's got it in his mind that he is a member of that team. Well, hello, there are people that think that they are a member of a church because they have their name on a card somewhere in a dusty box hidden in the office, and they never, ever show up at the building. They never volunteer. They never help. They never come to the services. But if you saw them at Walmart, they would tell you emphatically, I am a member of that church. That's not being a member. Giving money to the church does not make you a church member. I had someone once here who had been a member many, many, many years ago that stood in my office and argued with me about services, about resources available through the church. And I explained to them that those were only available to church members. And he yelled at me and said, I give my money to the church. In his mind, he was a member because he gave his money to the church. Had not been here in years for anything. And yet he stood there and told me that he was a member of this church because he gave money to the church. Giving money does not make you a church member. And as I said before, simply telling everyone that you're a member of a certain church does not make you a church member. You see, churches need people that are in love with Jesus and committed to carrying out the mission of the church. We talked about the mission of the church last week. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. The mission of the church, love God, love God others you cannot do that remotely church membership is a verb you remember in school when you're learning grammar and stuff it's about the only thing i remember a verb is what an action word thank you a verb is an action word so this may be stretching things a little bit because it's more than one word but church membership is a verb because it's an action. It is being active and involved and engaged. You cannot be a church member and never participate in church. You see, churches need Christians that are willing to serve. 
ouch. You see, there's that word, to serve, not to be served. But churches need people that are willing to serve. Churches need people that want to put their needs and their interests of others ahead of themselves. They want to put the needs and the interests of others ahead of themselves, ahead of their own preferences. They want to serve. They want to love on other people. They want to put others ahead of themselves. And churches need people that are willing to be actively engaged, participating in the life of the church, not just showing up sporadically at some sort of smorgasbord of events. I'll go to this, but not that, not that. Yeah, I'll go to this, not that. That's not being a part of the life of the church. You see, being a part of the life of a church is showing up early and helping set up and staying after and helping clean up. Asking, is there something I can do to help? Planning ahead and anticipating. and Maybe engaging in discussions about what are we going to do? What should we do? Fall is coming. What should we do? Should we plan some events? And if we do, what should we do? And who's going to be responsible for this? And who's going to be responsible for that? We need somebody to bring ice. We need somebody to set up tables and chairs. We need somebody to take out the trash. That's being a part of the life of a church. That's being a member of a church. Churches need Christians that are willing to give and to work and to sacrifice for the mission. The bottom line, churches need commitment. We don't need church hoppers. We don't need people that will go here today and somewhere else next week and might come back here a few weeks from now. Churches need people that are committed. As you might say in a marriage, committed in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer. I'm in. I'm committed. I'm all in. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make it work. We saw last week the Apostle Paul who had literally poured his life out on the altar of ministry. And in his last days, he wrote to Timothy and said, I've run the race. I've fought the good fight. We should be able to say that of our commitment to Christ and to His church. Well, to try to put this into some practical application, I have here what I call a church member's pledge. You can call it what you want. A church member's pledge. But I have some items here that I think will help put some meat on the bones of this skeleton of what it means to be a body member. First, I will be a functioning body member. A functioning body member. You know, many years ago I had trouble with my back and I was in a lot of pain down my leg, gone to several doctors, chiropractors. I'd done all kinds of things. I ended up going to this one doctor. He had me laying down on the table. He had my shoes off. He says, I want you to wiggle the toes on your right foot. Well, I looked down there, and I'm telling you, I don't know that I've ever been so scared in my life because my mind was saying, move toes. 
And I was laying there with the doctor looking at my toes, and guess what? They weren't moving. I was suffering from paralysis in my foot and in my toes. I could not move my toes. And I was so afraid because in that split second, I immediately was faced with, what am I going to do if my toes don't work? What am I going to do if my foot don't work? What am I going to do if my leg stops working? We need functioning body parts. We need functioning members of a body. Being a body member means that God placed us here and we're all necessary. Nobody gets a pass. Just as we saw in Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, every part matters. Nobody can just say, oh, well, I'm not important. It doesn't matter if I don't show up. You know, I don't really have any responsibilities. It's not really necessary that I be there. Being a body member means God placed each of us here and we are all necessary parts of the body or you would not be here. Being a body member means we are all different, but our differences fit together to make a whole, like a puzzle. If you're missing a piece of a puzzle, it's incomplete, right? You need that piece of the puzzle. Everybody here is a piece of the puzzle. Every piece is configured and cut differently, but only one piece will fit in that spot, and that's your spot. Being a body member means actively functioning. There are no sideline sitters. There are no spectators in church. There are no spectator stands on the sidelines for folks to just sit back and watch everybody else do church. So first, in our church members pledge is I will be a functioning body member secondly I will be a unifying body member you know unity is critically important to the church it is critically important really to any organization many of you probably in your workplaces they probably have some sort of policies written or unwritten that it is not acceptable, it is not allowable to speak ill of someone else. It's not allowable to, say, discuss salaries or bonuses or benefits with other people. Why? Because it's going to lead to disunity. And no organization, no healthy organization can function properly when faced with disunity. Now let me take a little sidestep here. I want to clarify the difference between unity and apathy. Apathy is, I don't care. Unity means that the folks in the church all have a vision. They all have a mission. They're all passionate about achieving that mission. And they're all moving in the same direction. There is unity in the midst of passion. Apathy is, I don't really care what you do. It don't matter to me. Now that might look like unity, and people may mistake that for unity because they say, oh, everybody in that church gets along. 
Well, yeah, they all get along because nobody cares. It's easy to get along when you don't care. That's apathy. So don't mistake apathy for unity. Unity is when everybody has a mission, everybody has a passion, and everybody is of one accord, everybody is of one mind, and everybody is moving in the same direction. That's unity. Paul instructed the church members at Ephesus to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us together. Unity. To the church of Colossae, Paul wrote, Above all, put on love, for it is the perfect bond of unity. Unity is critically important to the church. But unity is rooted in love and truth. And therefore, everyone should stay away from negative talk. We see some illustration of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Unity is rooted in love. And so in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. To be a unifying body member, you must stay away from negative talk. One prime example of negative talk is gossip. So in order to be a unifying body member, we must stay away from gossip. Paul, writing to the church of Rome, was describing to them the unrighteous. And he writes, They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. Woo! It's a bad sword, isn't it? I mean, look at those people. I mean, they are murderers. It's terrible. Murderers. But he goes on and he says, yeah, they were murderers. They were engaged in strife and deceit and maliciousness. And they were gossips and slanderers. Haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, and right slap in the middle of that list of these horrible characteristics of the unrighteous. He says they were gossips and slanderers. To be a unifying body member, you must control your tongue. The uncontrolled tongue is a dangerous thing. Whether it's truly, you know, this physical member inside our mouth or whether it 
expresses itself through emails, texts, phone calls, notes, or social media comments. The uncontrolled tongue is a dangerous thing. James made it clear as he said, the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. To be a unifying body member, you must be willing to forgive. You must be willing to forgive others if you are going to be a catalyst for unifying the church. Because unforgiveness produces and breeds bitterness and anger. If you are going to be a unifying body member, then you must be willing to forgive others. In Colossians, Paul writes, Therefore God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. There's more to say, but as I look at the clock up here, I realize that our time has drawn short. What I'd like to do is stop here and pick up next week and finish. Because there's a few more pieces of the church member pledge that I think we all need. I want you to come back next week. I want you to participate in the rest of the message. What it means to be a member of the body. One of the things that I learned years ago, I'd gone to a counselor and I'd spent that first session with the counselor and he said, you know, there's really a lot more that we need to talk about. He said, are you a reader? I said, oh man, yeah, you know, I love to read. And he's like, perfect, that's great. He said, because, you know, we can cover so much more through books and materials, if I give those to you, than we could over 10 sessions. He said, so if, if you're willing to make the commitment that if I give you a book that you're going to read it, he said, we can save a lot of time. We can cover a lot more ground if you'll make a commitment to read a book. Now, I bring that up because next week I'm going to give you a copy of this book. Everybody here is going to get a copy of this book. I am a church member. All right? It's very short. I read it one sitting. All right? So not hard. And if you're not much of a reader, there's, I think, six chapters. You can read a chapter a, a, a day or something like that. It's not, it's not a lot. So I'm going to give everybody a copy of this book next week as we wrap up our time together discussing what it means to be a body member. So make a commitment now to be here next week and for part two of being a body member. All right, let me pray for us.
Father, thank you so much for our time together. It seems to go by so fast as uh, we look at your word and we listen to what you have to say to us about who you are and, and who we are. And Father, no one knows us like you do. And Sometimes we might like to think that we're hiding something, and, and maybe we are from other people. We're not hiding anything from you. <laughs> we're not hiding anything from you. You know us. You know every hair on our head. You know our every thought, our feelings. Father, the Lord Jesus said that if we hate our brother in our hearts, that we, we've already committed murder. And so you know us. You know when we're angry. You know when we have malice or bitterness against another. We're not hiding anything from you. So, Father, I thank you that you do know us and that in spite of all of that, that you love us. That you are willing to love us in spite of ourselves. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A willing sacrifice to take the place of those who harbored anger, bitterness, sin, and yet you love us. So, Father, as we go forth today, I, I pray that we might meditate on what that means, what, it, what you have done for us, and what it means to be a part of your church, to be a part of your family, to be a part of the body of Christ. And part of what we are to do is to carry out that mission to love others and to love you supremely. And I pray that you give us those opportunities, even today, put into practice that mission that we would be functioning body members i ask this in the name of jesus amen